I want to take uh, this week and next week and kind of finish up uh, a series I've been doing about community. Uh, and uh, so we're going to be looking uh, at the book of Ephesians. So go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, it's a passage I know that I've preached on before here, but uh, practical points in the text that uh, we can always be reminded of. Um, how many of you know that this year is an anniversary year for a very important institution? What? For marriage. No, nobody's marriage is 50 years old. All right, this is a 50th year anniversary of a very important in institution. Jean Nydach, a 214-pound homemaker desperate to lose weight, went to the New York City Department of Health where she was given a diet devised by Dr. Norman Joliffe. Two months later, discouraged about the 50-plus pounds still to go, she invited six overweight friends home to share the diet and talk about how to stay on it. Today, 50 years later, millions of members attend Weight Watchers. It's not fit for life, whatever, but Weight Watchers meetings in 30 countries, actually over 30 countries every single week. How many of you have attended a Weight Watchers? I have never, but I'm raising my hand. Okay. All right. Every week, millions attend. Why did Nidech, uh, why was Nidech able to help people take control of their lives? To answer that, she tells a story. When she was a teenager, she used to cross a park where she saw mothers gossiping while the toddlers sat on their swings with no one to push them. I'd give them a push, says Nidich. And you know what happens when you push a kid on a swing? Pretty soon, he's pumping, doing it for himself. That's what my role in life is. I'm, here, I'm there to give others a push. I thought that was very good. Uh, very well stated. She looked at her role with Weight Watchers, and that really, going back, her role with bringing her friends together to give them a push, but to also get a push herself. She's encouraging them, and because she's encouraging them, she's being encouraged herself. You know, one important part of community, really a key element in community, is encouragement. It's encouragement. You know, we, we began by looking in the book of Ecclesiastes several weeks ago. Two people walk along the way, it's a whole lot better than it's one person alone. You know, someone talked to me, they wanted to donate a vehicle in Florida. The catch is I'd have to go down there to get it. But who wants to drive all the way from Florida back up to Chicago all by themselves? So I've got to figure out how to work this out. It's much easier for two to cross the country than three. Actually, it's funny. You know why? I'll tell you a story. Many years ago, in my first uh, winter break at Moody Bible Institute, uh, I was given the opportunity to drive a car from Chicago to Los Angeles, and there were three of us in the car. Three of us in the car. Myself, a senior, and another guy. I can't remember uh, which grade he was in, but I think he might have been a sophomore. And uh, we start off, and, and uh, the uh, senior is driving. It's a brand-new Cadillac, 1984. Okay, brand-new Cadillac. And we're starting to drive across the country, and I found out real fast that the senior 
really wasn't good at long distance driving. And so pretty soon I'm driving and I'm driving and I'm driving. And the other fellow had a small little problem. He fell asleep at the wheel within minutes of driving the car. The three of us are driving across the country, but in reality, only two of us are doing the driving. And the second guy, he hated driving for any length of time whatsoever. Now, I've driven back and forth, though, several times with someone else. I can think of the one time I drove, again, someone said, well, you drive my car from California to, to Michigan and uh, I'll pay for the gas and the food and everything else. It's like, what a deal. And so I'm with my friend Chris, and we're driving just the two of us across the country. And we both had to stay awake because there wasn't a third person to rely on. And uh, it was kind of funny. I was at the wheel, and it was in the middle of Nebraska, and uh, I began to fall asleep at the wheel. And uh, Chris woke me up, which was great because he was awake, which led me, though, to slamming on the brake and doing a full 360 on I-80 off the side of the road. But it was Nebraska, and it was, I believe, the middle of winter, and there was nobody around. But that's okay because the ground was frozen and we kept driving, all right? It's hard to go through life by yourself, though. You need encouragement. You need encouragement. One of the reasons that communities exist, one of the reasons God ordains community and commands community is because we need encouragement from one another. And so this morning, I just want to take some time, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to give a plug first for God's calling for our lives, but then speak about community and encouragement and the fact that really it is a massively important responsibility for each one of us to remember we need to be an encouragement of, uh, to be an encourager of others. So uh, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says, Therefore I, the prisoner, united with the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Paul here is beginning by basically challenging these believers in, in Ephesus to recognize that they have a calling from God. You have a calling from God. You have a very simple calling from God. The calling from God is to remember to live a life worthy, worthy of all that's gone into it. In a couple of weeks, we will remember the death of the Messiah. Last uh, Saturday night at Tehillah, we took time to remember the death of Messiah. Rachel did a fantastic job of, of organizing music that reminds us of, of, of the death of Yeshua, the cost, the cost required so that we would be able to be in relationship with God. Do you consider your life as your own, or do you truly understand that your life really is not your own? That God has saved you for his purposes, and therefore you must walk worthy of that responsibility. You know, people don't like being responsible for stuff. I was talking with somebody, I can't remember, it's been kind of a busy week, but, but you know, often people don't like to be responsible People like other people to be responsible. 
you know, we don't want to volunteer because that means I'm going to get stuck with something. I don't mind it if someone says, well, you do this small thing. <clears throat> but to assume responsibility is just that. You assume responsibility. Often, uh, uh, you know, I, I know with, with Jay and, and some of the discussions, you know, Gloria's talked with me about this, that he gets a phone call and he's assumed responsibilities, like at the, at the work. And I remember him sharing some time ago, I think there was a problem. It was water or something. Yo, you just can't schluff it off. You, when you're responsible for something, you've got to act on it. And that, that's critical. We need people who will be responsible. How many of you love the kiddish? You love the kiddish here in, in the synagogue, the opportunity to get together and hang out. It doesn't happen by accident. People come in and they volunteer their time and they assume that responsibility. And we all get blessed by it. And then other people assume the responsibility of cleaning. God has a calling for us to assume the responsibility of being an encouragement for one another. To being an encouragement for one another. And it begins in our community and it begins in our homes. To really be thinking in terms of how we can be an encouragement to one another. But it really comes based on an understanding that God has a calling for our lives. And the calling for our lives is not just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we're going to die. Which hopefully isn't the case. But remember that we're here to be an encouragement and a blessing to other people. That is God's calling for our lives. Do you recognize this calling? Do you really understand this calling? Too often as believers, we don't. We really don't. We, and the other thing, too, is too often we, we, we know what we need. We do need people to encourage us. But do we recognize our calling to be an encouragement to others? Do we recognize our responsibility in, to other people? It is God's calling for our lives. Now, when we look down at verse 2, it gives us details in terms of this encouragement. And I have to tell you that, it, you know... Encouraging other people is not is not uh, something that comes naturally for all of us. You know, I was reading a, a um, an illustration of a, of a fellow who was a general, you know, a military leader, and he wasn't a great encourager of others. You know, he basically expected people to do what they were supposed to do, and that was it. You know, I suppose I can be like that a lot. That's kind of what I'm used to. That's why my, my father gave me very little praise and affirmation. You were expected to do a task and you did it. And if you didn't do it, then you, learned, you heard about it. <laughs> but in reality, we all need encouragement in different ways. Different, different ways of knowing we're affirmed. And it's something that for some of us comes easy. Some of you are very good at encouraging one another. You really are. I mean, you're very, you're very affirming. You're very positive. Some of us, not so much so. I would say my wife is much better at, at affirming and encouraging than I am. Here we see in the text, though, some basics in regards 
to affirmation. He says in verse 2, Always be humble, gentle, and patient, bearing with one another in love. Always be humble, gentle, and patient, bearing with one another in love. Uh, Eric's living with us right now. Soon he'll have a job. He'll be on his own. He'll be, you know, taking care of himself. But right now he has a wonderful experience of being in the Glebe home. Vlad had this experience. And Vlad will tell you, Eric, that the Glebe home is perfect. We have it all down. We know exactly what we're doing. There are no discrepancies whatsoever. We live in perfect harmony with one another. That we follow all the biblical guidelines to the T. No one raises their voice, even the dog. <laughs> no. Like any other normal home. Where we disagree and we fight, it's just realities. We cannot ever live in perfect harmony. As it says in this text, always be humble, gentle, and patient, bearing with one another in love. God says, be holy as I am holy. And if we were to take all the people that are unholy today out of this room, there would be no one left. Because we are all unholy. What's God's expectation? Be holy. That is his expectation. But if we sin, if we confess our sin, he forgives us. It's nice to know God does look at us as being holy, but he wants us to remember that's his expectation. And in reality, when we're humble about it, we admit we are not holy. We are not holy. We are sinful people. And when it comes to our relationships with one another, they're not perfect. But are we seeking to bear with one another? Are we seeking to, to work with one another? That's really what God expects. Here I have a, an illustration I want to read here. Their plane tore apart in midair and crashed on an uncharted Pacific island. The survivors, because of their harsh circumstances, were forced to find the inner strength they never knew they had in, in order to survive. After gaining their bearings and bonding into a community as best they could for their survival, they discovered that the island were, they were on held many secrets and dangers. The band of friends, family, enemies, and strangers learned that they had to work together against the cruel weather and harsh terrain if they wanted to stay alive. But as they continually discovered during their life-threatening adventure on the island, danger and mystery loomed behind every corner. Without one another, they would be lost. Of course, that's from the series Lost. You know, when you think about the Messianic Jewish community, look around the room... What do we really have to do with one another outside of our faith and basically outside of the fact that generally we're Jews that believe in Jesus, okay? We're not all on the so same socioeconomic level, education level. We don't all live in the same neighborhoods, although many of us live around here in this general locale. I have a friend of mine who's uh, uh, part of a club group and the people in the club group all bond. It's a Jewish uh, Masonic Lodge. <laughs> it's the Jewish Masonic Lodge here up in the Skokie area and besides the fact that they all want to be Masons the only other things that brings them together is they're all Jews and based on those two things they come together 
and they do things. We come together in community. Any people who come together in community come from where they're at and they come together. And what is necessary is understanding what the purpose is of their gathering and then working it out together despite any differences that they have. Some of us are older. Some of us are younger. Not too many of us are actually in the middle. (laughs) How... Do we really live out community together? It's by seeking to understand one another. And a lot of that comes from encouraging one another. Genuinely loving one another. Genuinely desiring to understand one another to benefit one another. I think it's really hard. Rich uh, shared with me an illustration because he had he went to a large and I shared this a while back, a couple of weeks ago. Large mega church here in the area. In a large mega church in the area, people would come and they would go. It's like they were attending a movie, you know, or a show. It's not community. Now it can be community, but from what Rich shared and hit what he saw, it was pretty much people came and then they left. There's not a lot of time for encouragement. Can't encourage people you don't know. This morning at seven o'clock, I was in Park Ridge at a at an Iron Man breakfast. <laughs> Iron Man breakfast. What do Iron Men eat? Lots of carbs, of which I ate none. But they did have a little bit of homemade egg salad, which I did eat, and yours is much better. <laughs> much much better. But what's interesting, though, is that these people, from is a big church, these people get together and they eat breakfast every single Saturday morning at 7 a.m. And they encourage one another in scriptures. And there's, there were a hundred of them in this church. Of, of, maybe there were about, I don't know how many people are in this church, but maybe around 500 people in the church. So you had 100 guys showing up out of 500 total people in a congregation. That's pretty good. But what was even better is they came together for the sake of encouraging one another. They did work together. Now we're going to have a work day tomorrow. You know what? Last year, men, only women showed up, basically. I think maybe Vlad and I were there. I don't know. Maybe you weren't there. But the bottom line, it was, it was a bunch of women. Men. We need to come, and we need to do our work. Amen. <laughs> because when we work together, there is also tremendous encouragement. These guys, they get together, you know, every single Saturday morning, and and they encourage one another in the in the course of this event. But then they do other things together that men do, like they they break things and they build things. And they clean things probably too. But, and in that they also encourage one another. God has called us to walk worthy of the death of our Messiah. And you know a big chunk of that is being an encouragement to one another. Now God has given us his spirit living within us which helps us. Do you know that? Take a look again in the text here. Uh, Look at verse 3. 
and make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit, I'm sorry, making, and making every effort to preserve the unity the Spirit gives through the binding power of shalom. There is one body and one Spirit, just as when you were called, you were called to one hope. And there is one Lord, one trust, one immersion, and one God, the Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is in all. The Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of God, is in us, as followers of Messiah Yeshua, to help us to be an encouragement to one another. He does that by, by encouraging us, teaching us, convicting us of sin, but also reminding us of those things that we need to do for others. God's Spirit is in us to empower us, I think, for encouragement if we are really willing to let Him. If we are actually willing to let the Spirit of God work through us. Now, how do we let the Spirit of God work through us? We remember that we are part of the body of Messiah. We really remember that we are not lone strangers. <laughs> That we are not just all by ourselves, but that we're part of a greater community. We're part of this community. We're part of a greater community. If we think about it, we're part of our little congregation here. We're part of a greater Messianic Jewish community. We're part of a greater body of Messiah. We are part of these bigger communities, yet it begins by simply remembering that we are not alone. That we are not by ourselves. All right? We see these examples of spiritual partnership. When it says there's one body, one spirit, called to one hope, one Lord, these are, these are parallels of partnership, I think. And when we understand that the Spirit of God is living in us, God is in us. In essence, we have a partnership with God that calls us and, and basically binds us to one another. How are you understanding that? And are you letting the Spirit of God work through you to be an encouragement to all those you are in partnership with? Lord our God has given us his spirit to encourage us so that we might be an encouragement to others. How are you doing at being an encourager of others? Well, I want to conclude the, uh, the message by just leaving you with a few thoughts. One, I guess, is the basic again. Do you understand and appreciate God's calling for your life? Do you really understand and appreciate God's calling for your life? You know, in the last couple of months, uh, I've been really giving a lot of thought to the whole understanding of what the, the Besorah, the good news, the gospel really is. You know, the gospel is not believe a formula and poof. Uh, you get out of, you get a get out of hell free card, okay? Or go to heaven free card. Uh, that is that is not the gospel. That is not the good news. You know what the good news is? God has, a, has made it possible for you to be in right relationship with him. That's the good news. When I talk to a lot of Christians, I don't get the sense many of them actually are interested in being in relationship with God. 
Too many of them just didn't want to go to hell, okay? Now, fine, being afraid of hell can be a motivator to get you to turn to God, okay? I'm not discounting that. The bigger question is, do you want to be in relationship with God? And the reason that's important is because it makes a difference on whether or not you're interested in being in relationship with other people. You don't have to talk about my father, who I love. He's still living. My father is an absolute hermit. He lives at the end of a gravel road in the hills of Oregon. By himself. On hundreds, if not thousands, of acres. <laughs> because he really doesn't like people. God has called us to be in relationship with him. He has given us his spirit so that we would be encouraged because we're in relationship with him, but that we would therefore be in relationship with others and be an encouragement to others. Who are you encouraging? Who are you encouraging? Are you living out God's calling for your life? Are you understanding that God has called you? He's called you to live worthy of the death of Messiah Yeshua and all that that means. But that at the core of that is a calling to be an encourager of other people. How are you doing at being an encourager of others? Who specifically are you encouraging within this community? Who are you encouraging? Start at home. <laughs> Start at home. Those of you who are married, are you encouraging your spouse, your wife, your husband? That's important. Do you have kids? Are you encouraging your kids? Both in terms of just life, but spiritually encouraging your kids? And then going into the community. Are you encouraging those around you? I heard tremendous things about the Irish Shabbat dinner for the uh, Don's house. Sounds like it was a, a, a ruckus time. But that's okay. Because when people are together and they're talking, that's very encouraging. To be talking together. That's right, there was one at the Ferdeens too. You guys, did you guys talk to one another? Was there any, any good discussions, disagreements? It's all part of what it means to be in community. Because being together is encouraging, even if you don't agree with one another. Who are you encouraging? Who are you mentoring? Who are you encouraging? Who are you mentoring? And mentoring there is just the most expansive sense of the word. Who are you helping to build up in, in a specific way? And it all comes about by being willing to get involved in the lives of people. How often do you meet with people from this congregation just to get together? Just to get a cup of coffee? Just to hang out? We're all really busy. I know it. I think Rich and I were talking on the phone. I think he was preoccupied with what he was doing, and I was preoccupied at the bank. But we, we wanted to touch base. I called him, he called me back, and I called him a third time. To, so we finally connected, but we were so busy. But we connected. And we said, you know, we really have to get together. How often do you connect with people within the community? You know, we have Saturday morning, we have Wednesday nights, we have special activities, we have a brotherhood. Do you take advantage of these? But more importantly, do you just get together with somebody in the community just to get together? 
That's good. That's healthy. That's when real encouragement happens, when it's just natural and relational. How much do you know people here? How much do you know them? How well do you know the people around you? Really know them. You know, I talked to Eric. He's going to share his testimony at Passover, which will be very, very good. We have to limit him to 35 minutes. No, just five minutes. But it should be really good. Many of you have shared testimony over the years. You get to know somebody. But, you know, you really get to know somebody by time and materials. Wake up. Time and material. Spend a lot of time, drink a lot of coffee. All right? Man and Shoshana are seeing one another. Okay? It takes time. It takes time to decide what you want to do in relationship. It takes time and material. Time is time and all that means. Material is the consumable that goes along with the time. Gas, shoe leather, restaurant expenses, movie tickets. If you want to date somebody, you've got to get to really know them. Right? Otherwise, you could get stuck with the wrong person. No. <laughs> it's also helpful, you know, in, in all relationships to invest the time, to invest the time in them. How much do you know people here? How much time are you investing in getting to know people here? And then also, the other flip side of that is, how much do others know about you? Some people find it really difficult being transparent, being open. To really be an encourager of others, you need to let people encourage you. Are you willing to let people know enough about you that they can encourage you? Or are you, you're more like a closed book. You don't want to be open. We gotta, to really be an encourager of others, we have to let people encourage us as well. Well, you know, uh, the world needs more spiritual pushers. The world needs more spiritual pushers. There's a lot of people sitting on a swing, and they're lonely, and they're discouraged by life. The world needs more people that will invest a little effort in pushing them, giving them that encouragement to move forward. Let's be those kind of people. Let's be pushers. Let's be spiritual encouragers and just life encouragers of those around us. All right? Let's close with a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. We thank you, God, for the, the encouragement that comes from knowing that you have called us and you've called us to do wonderful things, God, to be encouragers of others. Help us, God, to live worthy of that calling in our lives. Help us, God, to really care about other people, to invest time, really freely give of our time, and to just love people. I pray that you would help us, though, also to be open, to be transparent, to be patient, to be able to think of what others need, just just where we are, our own understandings are. Again, I thank you, God, for this community, for bringing us together, God, for this amazing purpose of encouragement. Help us, God, to, to do it effectively for your glory. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.